0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at We Are Libertarians.com.
1: Hello,
0: everyone.
1: And I'm Brian,
0: yeah, and this is the show where you can hear all subjects from the left, right, and center libertarian perspective, hot and fresh off of our Kyle Rich House episode, which was one of our our best ever. So good that we all got like guest speaking appearances on other programs because of how uh, awesome multiple, we were. Right? Yeah. So <laughs> I feel like now? Hold on, you need to talk with us about this. Uh, I was just really proud of it, but I, instead of stroking my ego, the only way I can top that is by doing better on this episode. So we're going to be talking about critical race theory today. Once again, you probably have an opinion on this. And if you feel your opinion is immo- immobile and you are unwilling to hear other points of view, you will not at all like this episode. You will hate it because we are going to offer a lot of different points of view on this one. Um, usually I give an introduction on the subject, but all I have to say is that this is a very difficult one to define <laughs> because. Uh, you can you can hit up the Wikipedia and you'll feel one way about it. You hit up law school syllabi and you'll hear other opinions about it. And um, and there's there it's just it's a little bit all over the map. But it's not that you can't. It's not that there aren't some similarities. And I think that it is worth. Uh, it's certainly worth the discussion, of course. So, um, Brian, I'm going to start with you because I kind of know where Lou stands on this one. And I feel like you'll be a nice wild card. Um, so go ahead and give us, you start off this time. Give us your thoughts about critical race theory uninterrupted. Take, take all the time you want.
1: You bunch of white supremacist hippo. No, no. Um, (laughs) (laughs) this is such a generic term and I'm going to rewind us back about 50 years to, this is the same panic that we had over. Wait for it. Wait for it. Sex education. Because sex education is such a broad subject. This can go from starting off with boys and girls, you're going to feel some changes in your body, to boys and girls, there's a coupon in your pamphlet there on 50% off of a 55-gallon barrel of lube. So there's a (laughs) wide gamut of what sex education can cover. And this is the same thing for critical race theory. It can cover anything from, you know, We probably shouldn't be all like in 1492, Columbus, said the ocean blue. We should probably go in 1492. He was a murderer in, you know, it's a whole (laughs) bunch of other things. I couldn't get to to rhyme in time, so I apologize everybody. But in reality, it's there are aspects that are probably good things to talk about, such as the kind of genocidal nature of the founders of this country and also others as well, the way that slavery and other things occurred uh, after slavery that did harm a significant number of races, not just black, but also Asian and others in this country and in other countries. This is the other thing that I kind of keep wanting to saying is that everyone looks at uh, as America as the big, as the great Satan, which is awesome if you're in Tehran, but here in the U S it probably doesn't play as well. So, The question is, what is critical race theory? And again, it gets back to what is sex education? It is such a broad topic that it's impossible to sit there and say, here's what it is. But what it should be is something that is a conversation between educators, parents, and kids, and everyone else that's involved in that process. This is not, uh, I can tell you where it loses immediately is with the schools who say, we know what we're talking about, but we can't tell you. They pull a Nancy Pelosi. You're just gonna have to wait for the put class to come out to see what's in it. That's not gonna fly in a lot of in a lot of places. Not because everybody's an inbred racist, but because schools, government schools do a terrible job of communicating. I mean, we already know new math and everything else. This, what do you think they're gonna do with new math? They're gonna now do this with critical race theory they're going to homogenize it they're going to push it out to a number of schools and they're going to say this is the way you should do it and schools are either intermittently going to go yes oh my god this is wonderful and other schools are going to go you know we want to look at it but it's the hot buzzword of the day and honestly all the debate reminds me of 1982 when oh my goodness we want to tell boys and girls that boys have a penis girls have a vagina
2: oh you can't say those
1: Thank I know, my friends. God.
0: It's very transphobic of you, Brian.
1: I know. <laughs> I know, and I, I'm going to get a hate, but I'm a speech. I'm sorry. I was quoting a movie in that in that sense, so I apologize. <laughs> Man, I said, I penis. God, have no, I can't do the orange. <laughs> <laughs> no. It's not a tumor. Anyhow. <laughs> Lou, uh, why don't you go ahead and counter that with that, what you feel uh,
0: about critical race theory, what it is, and, and how you feel about it.
2: Okay, I love critical race theory. Um, One of the biggest misconceptions I think right now, and why people think this is such a boogeyman, critical race theory is not even really something that is being presented at the K through 12 level. It's just not. Um, And I know that because I took the course (laughs) in pre-law while I was, a, you know, my major was government policy federal, state, and local level policy. And I took a critical race theory course. And this is not a 101 course you might be able to get in like your junior, senior year of high school. It's just not. Um, It is such an, and it's, it's a framework for a theory that breaks down the sociology and history of our nation and how our legal system being built from the ground up during a time where we had slaves and were racist, like was just the culture The racist wasn't even a word because that's just what you were. Black people were property, you know, it was a totally different culture. And so what it is, is a framework for studying that history and how it then applied to the founding of our nation, the writing of our constitution, which originally was never meant to include black people, people of color, indigenous people, anybody. It was Eurocentric constitution. And then later it was like, oh, well, they're kind of like three fifths of a person. And then the 14th, like originally the framework was very racist. I mean, we got to call it what it was, but that was, the time and that's what it was all over the world um so that's what we knew that's what we did and instead of as we progressed into the future like wiping all of that and starting over with at you know a baseline of equality and equity we have sort of woven our legal system through these pigeonholes and ways of well you know, this law, let's talk, you know, desegregating schools, and it's studying the history of desegregating schools and when we passed all those laws and how that, you know, how that impacted schools. But then zoning laws then sort of had a reverse impact on desegregation, you know, and schools that were predominantly white in the cities are now predominantly black and have less resources and that and the other. And so, All that critical race theory is, is the study of that entire historical framework of where the foundation of our legal system started and how it grew and changed in society and how that has affected people in our country and still does to this day. And you see that in our legal system, you see that in our education system, you see that in all kinds of things. And the really unfortunate thing is somebody somewhere has turned this into a boogeyman and you've got several States right now that are, have passed or are in the process of passing legislation to ban it from K-12 public education. Well, the reality is it was never a part of K-12 public education, critical race theory as itself was not. Now, The subject of critical race theory and the understanding of history and our, you know, our growth through our legislative system through history, like, it applies, but that's not exactly critical race theory. Like, gravity is a theory too, but I'm still stuck on the ground. Like, (laughs) it's silly to me that... People are think this is such a boogeyman, and people, oh, it's all talking about how white people are racist, and everybody's a white, you know, you're all white supremacists. And it's all it's trying to do is unpack and address the issues that we know. This is not about individual racism. This is about institutions and systems and systemic legal system built on this. Why? And we're still seeing it in everything mm-hmm. today. So I was reading through some of the legislation, and specifically the one that actually mentions CRT in the legislation, um, out of Idaho, is completely insane. And throughout the place, well, we want you know we don't want anybody to feel othered, and everybody should you know we want a community of unity and da 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 da. So that's why there's no CRT. Well, the problem is. The educators, most K-12, through 12, primary, secondary educators, do not get through. Um, <laughs> sorry, Reinhold. Um,
0: Reinhold says an episode on CRT and you didn't ask me on. I'm a sad panda, lol. I think Lou's going to have you covered for uh, I very you. pleasantly, Reinhold. If I, I miss mean, she,
2: something, please comment.
0: <laughs> yeah, go ahead and let us know if we miss anything. But, uh, yeah.
2: So educators who go to college to become educators, particularly primary secondary educators, um, and they don't go to school focused on law, um, rarely ever even touch on CRT because this started academically as a law topic. Um, there, of course, in all kinds of other academia, things branch out, and there are parts of it that treat that touch on education, just like we talked about, you know, segregation and zoning and this, that, and the other, it affects literally every aspect of our life. But educators are not taught what CRT is and how to apply that framework. And so they hear this legislation and now they're afraid to teach about certain things that happened in history because they feel that that's, you know, othering this, or the parents would be unhappy. And the only way to get rid of a problem is to shine light on it. And to literally make a law saying we can't talk about the bad things we did in the past. How does that help us learn or grow or become better? How does that actually create a school or an education system where there is unity and equity in our, you know, among our students? It doesn't. You can't ignore the past, you know, and, and just expect everyone to go, everyone's on a level playing field right now because they're not. And that's what I, there's a total misunderstanding about what CRT is and isn't. Your child was never being taught CRT in K through 12. And they were never going to be. That is a yeah, they are. third and fourth. Well, okay. Now it's being discussed on like a certain level. But what it is, CRT it, as an in-depth is not that's like third and fourth year collegiate like academia pre-law. Yep. It, it has now,
1: been. no it has been, but it is now a graduation requirement or going to be a graduation requirement in the state of California that you are required to take at least one ethnic studies course uh by for the class 24, 225, 26, and that you are to take a class on or pass a critical race theory test in 2029 20, 2020
2: 20, 2030. 20, That's interesting. Um
1: the yeah the test is the one part that I'm going
2: a problem with because ethnic <laughs> studies is not exactly critical race theory.
1: Because no it isn't but the but yeah it's, framework. Yeah this this new legislation so, so and requires students graduating in 29 and 30 to have at least one semester in the subject.
2: I'd like so, to look at more in depth at what that entails um that said like true crt is not what people think it is and it is well
1: it it's like such education though it's it's such a broad topic right
2: so it's a broad topic but i think they crt what it is in academia on a collegiate level right pre-law you know when you're Mm. studying law is one thing and what they're touching on and on a level in high school is it doesn't come close. It really, no, I, really doesn't.
1: But, so but they you, need
2: another word for that. Like if well, it's like people arguing then, then capitalism, then, cronyism, and free markets. Like, but,
1: and I'm gonna quote Reinhold here. Leftists once again are terrible at wrapping up what they're trying to say and deciding to pick out a phrase and slap it on it and alienating 60% of the country in the process. Yeah. So you know, it's like the you know, defund the police and all this other thing. So it it's okay it, if the funny thing is this is that words are important and this is what I hear a lot of times from people on the left and uh, I'm the righty so this is what I say words are important and words have meaning okay then say what you mean mean what you say it, right. it you know if it's not critical race theory okay wrap it up and call it super luxury critical race theory you know whatever <laughs> you want to call it but but call it then something different don't sit there and adopt like I the think- NEA who sits there and adopts and says, yes, we're going to go ahead and start building coursework with our educational team to go ahead and teach this going forward. And then when reason calls you out on it and says, Hey, this is part of your framework. You just adopted. Don't delete the website.
2: (laughs) Right? No, I agree. I think, you know, there, there really needs to be more strict definition that differentiates the two like, What CRT is as a theoretical framework in the legal system versus ethnic studies and just a base. We're already doing like sociology, history, things like that in school. We always have. And if we're honest about history, that stuff's going to be in there anyway.
1: If we're honest about history, that's fine. But I'm going to go the full Frank Zappa here and say that the big thing that we screwed up was starting to teach social studies. As opposed to civics. When people know their rights, when people yes. know government, don't just click off the the first amendment is freedom of cease. The second amendment should be repealed. Oh my god. You know, when we start doing stuff, when we start teaching what civics is and the ideas of this country and where the basis and case law and all these other things, and stop getting people watching Law and Order thinking that 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 you know this is how every trial goes, and it should be <laughs> yeah. more court TV where you see it's a total clusterfuck. That, that's the stuff that, that we really Need to be teaching in schools But this gets back to the other thing Is that these are government schools And right. nobody has really any input into it Other than what zip code you live in And right. maybe going to a school board meeting In fact I just actually bumped into somebody I know that's on the school board now And he says that it was You know yeah. You know, there, there's a lot to it But there's a lot of <laughs> I'm not going to say what he said But um, but yeah it, It's fun <laughs>
0: Lou, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you finish yep. uninterrupted. Oh yeah, no. I, I'm I, sorry, I'm muting. <laughs> <laughs> this is your time. No, it's okay. It's okay. See, I gotta take notes. Like because when Lou says something, I'm like, mm, mm, I gotta write it down, <laughs> you know. So just, just um, we'll, yeah, I we'll tear I said, into her in a in a minute.
2: <laughs> there needs to be a better level of education to the public in general about what CRT is and is it and what the differences are in academia between primary, secondary, and collegiate level education on critical race theory, and, you know, ethnic studies and things like that. Um, Overall, it's a wonderful thing. If you have someone teaching, or claiming to be teaching critical race theory, and basically saying, you know, oh, the white devil, and all the white people are terrible, and everybody's a white supremacist, like, that's very clearly covered under the framework of critical race theory, that that is not the case. We're not talking about individuals. We're talking about systems and that, you know, while we may not be responsible for the actions of someone 200 years ago, we are responsible for what we do in the future and how we, you know, who have, I'm going to say the P word privilege, have a responsibility and a duty I did it. I did it. And I know it drives you crazy to undo the damage that's been done. Right. You can't just turn a blind eye to it. This colorblind mentality. And I'll I'll be honest, like I was one of those people who sing an Erykah Badu and be like, I'm colorblind. Woo. Right.
1: Well, that's reason- why Chris could you, you know, made you. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. <laughs> When you do that, right, and that comes from a good place. I think people genuinely, they think, oh, well, I'm colorblind. I don't see. And, and it's meant to be a loving thing, right? It's meant to come from a good place. But the reality is when we do that, we are not taking into account the experiences of other people. And when we don't take into account the experiences of other people, when we stop talking about the past and things that we've you know in our history we don't learn better we don't do better and then we don't actually get a community of unity we don't actually get equality or equity um and even in critical race theory the deeper you get into it I mean it very it's very specific about you know it's not about taking down the white man it's about getting everybody on a level playing field that equity you know or it's not about equal outcomes it's about equal opportunity in when you go through the framework of our legal system and see all of the places and ways that minorities have it harder that is those are statistical facts you cannot deny those things not
1: denying them yeah
2: you know so since we have the upper hand at the moment how can we make this better and that's all that that Study of critical race theory is. And it shouldn't be a boogeyman. It should be a freaking kumbaya moment for everybody. There's so much to learn.
0: This is gonna be a perfect episode because I think I think we got a good ref- left, right, center split on this one here. I'm, <laughs> I'm very I'm very mixed on this one because so when I when I'm reading up on this and I'm studying up on it, reading a lot of sources, um you get like I said, in the beginning, you get a lot of different definitions and some of them you're going to love. And I was reading through, I'll admit, I, I like Wikipedia because re- you can click on the links to then find where Wikipedia gets the information. I know there's a lot of people like ah, you use <laughs> Wikipedia. Yeah, I used Wikipedia. But like what I'm saying isn't just a summary of the Wikipedia information. It's also all the stuff that I read, too. Anyway, so while I'm reading through Wikipedia just to get the overview of it, like every other sentence, I'm like, yes. And then the next sentence, I'm like, no and then the next sentence I'm like yes and then i just keep going back and forth on this and and so i'm like okay so like there's a lot to love and a lot to hate uh for me personally now of course this is my opinion and then here's where it becomes a libertarian issue is we're looking at a lot of different states that are wavering between mandates and bans both of which are remarkably unlibertarian things and so there's this kind of there, there's this ship you gotta sail between Scylla and Charybdis trying to tear you up on the sides by saying like I'm not saying we mandate this I'm also not saying we ban this you know I'm trying to I'm trying to sail through here to say it's there you should maybe take it to at least learn what you want I don't understand why there would be as much pushback at this for say example something that is regularly taught in our high schools something like Evolution, maybe even learned about something younger, you know, something in that in your younger days, like middle school, you might have heard something about it or learned about it. I, I'll be honest, and uh, I I won't devolve the talk into this, but I re- I do not believe that humans evolved um, in the common way that it is referred to, I guess, not just primates, but that we evolved. I, I don't believe in human evolution. There you go. I'll say it. I don't believe humans evolved in something else. Did I take courses about evolution? Yeah. Am I now indoctrinated and unable to think for myself because of it? No. In fact, a lot of what I learned helps me defend my own position because I took it. Because I say I took this course, and so I'm happy that I learned about it. I can see why somebody would, and I can say, here's the reasons I don't. Um, So so I don't think that there is an indoctrination element to – I mean – it's all government schools, isn't it all indoctrination or none of it? I mean, so in this point, like if we're going to argue about like public education in general, well, then they shouldn't teach anything down to math, right down to I mean, if you just are against public education, which I understand, then there's not really a nuance to this conversation. There's no reason CRT would bug you any more than teaching algebra, because if you think the public schools suck, then you might as well just ban them all. And there's no reason why critical race theory should make you make any more irritated than learning geometry you know um schools do teach things poorly and in ways that they sometimes do not intend to do um i believe that we so so there's a disservice which is like look at these white kids coming home crying and talking about how they learned that white people sucked now, did the teacher actually get up there and say white people suck? Probably not. Although, I mean, there are instances where you will find an occasion. I mean, there's instances of anything. It's a big world, right? You're going to get a renegade teacher saying something very awful or getting recorded in class saying something awful. Does that mean every ter- teacher is doing it? No. Did I gather when I learned about race studies in middle school that I did not feel good for being a white person? Absolutely not. Or I, I did not feel good. I'm sorry. I did not feel good about being a white person when I took those classes. There is a problem there, right? Because this should not be something that pushes me away, it should be something that brings me in. It should be something that says you should feel ashamed. One of the reasons I have a beef with the word privilege, although I'm not, I don't reject the concept, but one of the beefs that I have with it isn't because a privilege, I believe by definition, implies that you have a special right that nobody else is allowed to have. And really, I don't find any of the rights that I have as special. Right? I should be able to say what I want without being judged. I should be able to walk. These are things that I want for other races that don't enjoy it. I don't like it to call it a privilege, because this is something I want every race to experience. The idea that I can walk into a room and not be immediately judged because of the color of my skin or have an accent without them saying, oh, you can tell he's uneducated or thinking these certain things that happens to other races, right? And so this is the reason I I kind of stay away from that word. But as a concept, do I understand that that kind of thing exists? Yes. But should that make you feel guilty for being white? No, I had no control over that, right? Like I. And so when we teach this and teachers come at it from they do tend to come at it from an area that makes you feel guilty for being white, as opposed to saying, here's where we go forward. Here's the awesome things that you can do. Here's how to build up and empower a white person, instead of saying, look at all these things you should not have that I should have. And then you leave the class just feeling like garbage by saying like, wow, I guess I have built my entire existence and my parents built their entire existence off of kind of hosing you over, right? Because not everybody has the same experience. And these are all—it's the different history. Part of the problem with like reparations, um, when we when we really get into them in indigenous studies, is you say, oh, "Let's give this back, land back to the Native Americans." And you'll look at certain areas, and you'll say, "Well, do I give it back to this tribe, or this tribe that conquered that tribe, or the tribe that conquered that tribe before that?" And you know, you look at—I had—and I do not love Christopher Columbus. But if you look into this kind of thing with Christopher Columbus and say, like, the natives had no idea what he was doing when he's committing genocide. And then I just looked up the number of tribes that had been wiped out off the face of the planet in the, in the Americas. And I'm like, e- no, they they knew what genocide was. Right. This is just a person who's terribly good at it. And that's still bad.
1: White people efficient, so, efficient. Right. That's the empire. that's the big problem. He was very right. efficient
0: efficient and awful and terrible. And like I am saying, like, this is not excusing anybody. I hate this whole like, this culture is better than the other because I see a lot of equals here. Like of just saying like, we're all people, right? I mean, isn't that the idea? We're all supposed to be people and believe in equality. I mean, you look at teachers who, when Common Core came around and not all teachers knew how to teach it. I actually kind of like Common Core, but that's a different subject for a different time. But there were teachers that didn't know how to teach it. So we get this problem, and one of them was, you know, a special way of doing addition, so they added everything to eight, right? And they gave us this simple problem. But without realizing it, to do it in the Common Core way, you know, this long... addition problem it took like it looked like calculus like on a piece of paper like you just fill it up fill it up fill it up so this one thing because the teacher didn't understand that using this base eight number system was something that was going to take up so much space because they didn't know what they were doing they actually in this case the teacher actually had the kids teach themselves and this was from when you know our kids were in school so i i saw this happen and i helped them with it of course but i also when i you know i stapled the big piece of paper to their homework when when they came back and i'm like so you gave us a problem that took us like an hour and a half to do because you didn't know it took an hour and a half to do because you don't know how to do this right and there's a lot of parents that don't know how to do this i didn't know how to do it i was able to figure it out but like you know there aren't not every parent is expected to be an educator that's why you pay for public schools right so i understand that public schools have a rough job of it teachers sometimes drop the ball on this Oh, there's so many different experiences in public school because a lot of people will say like, well, I don't think that's true because it didn't happen to me, which kind of brings up the whole race story to begin with. Right. Not just I went to different schools, but I had different teachers and I had different experiences. And yeah, you're going to experience different things. I certainly went through things that I, or and I didn't go through things that my friends who were not white went through. And I understand that. And I have to embrace that and, and realize it. So now that I've kind of brought up the negative side of critical race theory, I will admit that in general, I'm kind of all for it because I I find it hard to talk about anything in history without it. You know, when somebody puts a ban on critical race theory, and if I boil it down to like the most simple definition of some laws are racist without saying black people are illegal. Well, that's that. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. Hey, you got to be like, you know, Brian, you brought up the Constitution. There's a lot of constitutional stuff that doesn't say, but no women, though. But then you'll look at the systems in place and it says, but women can't own these things. And then you have to own these things to be this. Okay, well, that's how you discriminate against a woman. (laughs) you know, without saying this is illegal for women, you know, three three fifths clause is another good example. Oh, you get three fifths of a vote that goes to your property owner. And so then all of a sudden they are actually incentivized to acquire more people, right? Because they get to vote for you, you know? And, And so there is a lot of that. And I find this actually be not only accurate historically, but this is an extremely libertarian thing to understand that the government will pass laws that cuts down on your rights without actually having to illegalize them. So I don't have to say no guns, by the way, because that's kind of discriminatory. I can just pass a law that makes guns safer, or make sure that you have to jump through these hoops, or pay these <laughs> fees, or call these people, or or file this paperwork, or do the, you know, and then all of a sudden, no guns, right? Because that's what ends up happening. They don't, you know, a lot of these bans don't end up being like you're not allowed to own a handgun. A lot of the bans end up being like you have to fill out this application and prove that you've been assaulted seven times and prove that you live in this area of town and that you have this kind of need and prove that at least one family member has been murdered and prove that, you know, you've never done a single marijuana cigarette in your entire life and that you've never been arrested. And, but, and then by the time you get it, by the time you're finished with it, you apply you fill it all out that comes back and they're like we're still reviewing it maybe forever because there's no deadline for it so what's the effect you don't get a <clears> gun <throat> yeah right the effect is you do not get a gun right like and so that's the thing with critical race theory are there are these law were there these laws set up that didn't say that said white people only well sometimes no but that doesn't mean they're not racist and founded in racism. And I find it impossible to look at American history at all without that simple observation to say that this was I mean, I mean there are people who don't like talking about disparate outcomes as being racist. And and, and indeed, sometimes they're not. And I'm going to give a uh, I guess I'll give an example that like saying um, uh, as far as disparate outcomes, right? Like, let's say domestic abuse, and there are different races that have, that have different levels of domestic abuse. Okay, the thing is, domestic abuse—if you beat your spouse, you are always wrong, right? That is—that is a simple activity that is not that might have a disparate outcome, but that's not racist or sexist. That's just saying, I'm sorry, we we don't allow bodily harm in this country, right? So that is not an example of something, even though it might have disparate outcomes on different people, especially because of their history and their relationship with violence, to say like that, that's something like that. However, something that might have disparate outcomes is if you're, you know, the Black Panthers and you're, you know, showing off your weapons and white people don't like it all of a sudden, and then you pass like, oh, well, I want your income level to be this knowing full well that it's like 98% white. (laughs) You know that that fits into that, then yeah, I know exactly what you're trying to do. You're trying to make it illegal for black people to sh- to open carry, right? And that's wrong. So the, there, there is there is a place for critical race theory that I think is important to learn. Are schools going to botch it up? Duh, right? Like I mean, and here's the thing: everybody's going to botch it up. I mean the these government entities are composed of human beings and human beings tend to botch things up. That being said, do I want it banned? Absolutely not. I think it's something that we should learn about. I think it's something that even if you learn like the worst version of this, and I did find one syllabus that is like, this is a radical leftist Marxist. You should absolutely, you know, this is why we need to support affirmative action. And this is why we need to make it, you know, so that white people have harder requirements in order to buy a house than black people like they you read you, and you're just like ah right like this is not a good thing this is a bad thing right i understand that
2: it's very that was a biased interpretation like
0: correct yes <laughs> it, it's it's an out there interpretation and it is it and and now here's the thing i will also say that's the outlier but guess what if i'm right wing And I find that syllabus. What do you think I'm going to what syllabus do you think I'm going to use to define critical race theory going forward? Right. And that's the problem is like we try to make it all about one thing. And it's really just a mix. I really am mixed on the subject in general. I I don't have a problem with I, I believe the general concept and I certainly don't have a problem with learning about it. I certainly don't even have a problem with learning kind of the kind of the out there. Like, it, while I might have a laugh about, you know, some some of these kind of radical leftist, this is a radical leftist Marxist theory that has its, you know, roots and Engels and Lenin and whatnot, you know, and I I have a giggle about it, because like, Lou, you're shaking your head, it's not really true. And it, that's what they yeah. want it to be, right? That's what the right. teacher wants it to be. Sure. You know, but like, I look at that, and I'm just like, okay, that's what, but even then, why not learn about it? Why not be like, hey, you know what, I'm still fine with learning about it. Sure. It's, this was a college class. It's an elective. I'll take it. You know, I mean, what I think for me, it seems banging. Why not at least read a little marks and angles and see what they do have to say about race and whatnot. Sure. Stuff. It, it is, it is. Anyhow, that's kind of it. And I'm sorry, I, I I'm aware that I ended without saying anything profound, but I think it's, I, d- I don't have a hard line on this one because I think it's hard. I, I think depending on who defines it, they're going to hold up something in my face and they're going to be like, doesn't this make you mad? And I'll be like, yeah. And then somebody else is going to hold something in my face and say, isn't this great though? And I'm going to be like, yeah. And, and so I probably agree with whatever your definition of of it is because you're using a definition that I think you want it to be. And that's what he- that's human nature, right? We're all kind of biased a little bit to, to seeing things one way or the other. Um, but in general i would say i'm for it i uh, uh because i find that the lessons learned from it are very libertarian even if the teachers who teach them are not uh providing a solution that i would approve of there you go there's my right. there's my profound answer there at the end.
2: yeah and i i do want to add that while i am a strong defender of crt as a subject and i do i think everybody in this country should have a basic understanding of it like and That said, I am still an advocate of school choice. I am still an advocate of parents having a say in their children's education, um, especially if it's their tax dollars paying for it. Um, But I'm also terrified at the extremes, like the polar extremes that our country is in right now politically, because Somebody made a boogeyman out of CRT. And so legislators who don't know what CRT is. They don't even know what Facebook
0: is. I mean, yeah.
2: Right. Um, or how Zoom works on a camera. Um, <laughs> but yeah. So Tubin. Like, I, you know, you have these legislators that are just pandering to their bases and fueling this panic over nothing like this is
1: the red scare like this is bullshit it's bullshit but then again just like a a a stopped clock there there's you know it's right every once in a while um the nea of course called out that they wanted to wanted to oppose any bans of that project uh, of the critical race theory and also of course they threw in the 1619 project yeah um so it's, you know, there's just so much political divide on this that we're never really going to get to the point where we can go ahead and say, you know what, it's okay. You can teach. And I thought this was great, uh, a great phrase. This is probably a better phrase. And here I am, some dork in Indiana is coming up for it. Hey. Racial, on- Racial honesty in education. Call it that. No, I think that's Something fantastic. different. That's Something really, other than just funny. wrapping it around. All this, well, this is all college level stuff. Blah, blah, blah. We're not going to teach that. Oh, okay, we're going to teach it here at LAUSD. Um, just call it racial honesty in education. Boom, yeah. problem solved. I, I don't get this. And but, then again, you go, oh, wait, that's too easy. You That makes life way too easy. And that ends all the arguing. So, yeah,
2: but, you know, and the kind of the irony of all of this is that one of the core tenets of CRT is that law the legal system and laws are never built or created without politics.
1: Oh yeah. And, yeah.
2: Like benefiting the, the... the ones who are writing the laws and and those sort of things. Like <laughs> and so the irony of there being legislation to ban CRT is kind of it's a little orwellian if you think about it
1: well and i just have to say Dennis of course this is just like project veritas right okay hey anyway, i just had to get that <laughs> in
0: so the now i believe it's called critical race theory because critical critical theory is a thing right yeah. like I, I believe they they did it they lay it's labeled what it was because i think they were attempting for some kind of accuracy now as far mm-hmm. as scrapping it at this point because it's become something else i can certainly see that critical theory i think is a I mean, no. There's not really a debate about that, and I think that that's kind of one of the things that makes me more sympathetic to critical race theory, because critical theory is just looking right. at, like, socially seeing mm-hmm. how culture and society, the things we've set up, also get reflected in our power structures. Right. So there's is, also
2: tribal theory.
0: Yeah.
2: Um, there. I mean, it's it all is under the umbrella of critical theory. Yeah. And yes. the more they're like. You know, it's your 101 is critical theory and then you're like 201 level is like critical race theory. And then, you know, that sort of stuff, like it's all an intertwined piece of most pre-law, law, law, collegiate educations when you're talking about those specific things. Right. Right.
1: But but let me ask this question, because this is this is from the NEA. I, I pulled this and it's from the Reason article, which pulled the data from the NEA website before the NEA deleted it. Um, uh, uh, That critiques empire, white supremacy, anti-blackness, anti-indigity, racism, patriarchy, cis-hetero patriarchy, capitalism, ableism, anthropocentrism, and other forms of power and oppression at the intersections of our society. Well, if we're going to go with power and oppression at the intersections of our society... There's a lot of other isms I'm going to throw in that list communism, Marxism, uh, yeah, Islamism, I, blah blah blah. You know, I, it doesn't call those out.
2: <laughs> whoever, whoever wrote that very specific breakdown, like for the NEA, like
1: that was voted on by the NEA, by the way. That was, a, that was accepted by the NEA. So, Lou's like, not a big business fan, on, right? Like,
0: like she said, Lou is still pro school choice and everything.
1: Oh, like, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. Yeah. But it doesn't help. <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> right. Like you have to, when you're educating, you have to present all of the facts. You don't get to cherry pick. Hmm.
1: We get to cherry pick a little bit. I mean, you could say two plus two is four, and you could say two plus two is five with very large numbers of values of two, but then you get into the why. Yeah. Right, okay. I, I can't prove two plus two equals okay. five with very with you know very in large that number. Sense, too. I mean,
2: that's the same conversation as okay, yeah, in like eighth grade biology, <laughs> I was taught that there's XX and XY and there's boys and girls, and that's it. Right. But when you get into doctoral level, yep. you know, and you start studying yep. genetics and neurobiology and, and the right. endocrine system and all of these things that physically attribute to intersex. You know, Mm -hmm. all this broad range of different genders because it is not a binary, but you've got Joe Bob, the redneck over here talking about, well, there's XY and XX and that's all there is. And I'm like, oh, you must not have gone much further than high school. I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you. But for have all the information.
1: Right. But but the intersex thing, if we're talking 30%, 20%, you know, that type of thing, if we're talking about Mm -hmm. that, then we'd be able to say, well, you didn't, you know, you got that education. But like that ninety-eight percent comment with the sixty-eight, you know, sixteen-nineteen project had a few factual errors, etc. That's kind of the same thing. The vast majority of people are learning what the vast majority of society is overall. They're not learning right and what then- the nuance, the nuance, and and I if agree. you're trying to teach the nuance, that's something that somebody wants has to want to learn. Because you know, I could sit here and and you could sit there and talk to me. About the nuance of the law. I'll be very interested. You talked to me about the nuance about tattooing. I'm probably going to start tuning out after about three minutes because, frankly, just anyhow, whatever works <laughs> for you works for you. I'm good with it. But you know, lucky yeah.
2: you, I can do both. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but for those who are uh, listening via podcast and not seeing visually the show, uh, first of all, thank you for doing that because then you get the download, but you might not understand. There was a comment that, that up. Uh, says the 1619 project which was 98 percent had a few 98 percent correct had a few factual errors and therefore it is bad and thrown out um and, and i i agree um the two percent can i think when you mess up two percent so let's say you have something 98 the two percent that you made up is all biased one way then all of a sudden You make the whole thing all of a sudden. All the conspiracy theorists are like, ah, like you know, they obviously have an agenda, and of course they do. Every human being on Earth has an agenda, right? right? I used to, I I used to be like, I'm such a non-biased libertarian. Well, no, because then I wouldn't be a libertarian, right? I would have no (laughs) bias towards anything. I'm very biased biased against the government, right? Yeah, right. I'm very biased against the government, and these are things that I have to contend with. And it's okay as long as you're aware that they're there, that the government makes. If if you're generally aware and you see a story, it's impossible unless you have like a blank slate brain, which is not possible unless you're like born or in the womb or something. Even then,
2: like you're still kind of learning a little bit, right? Very more like
0: right. You're going to see something and immediately formulate opinion. Now, if you're aware of your bias, that's what we're going for. You're aware of the bias and you say, Okay, did the government actually tell a big fat lie here? Or is my extremist friend, you know, maybe reaching a little bit for the the necessity of the lie when, you know, like, like maybe it was an accident, you know, or maybe it wasn't a lie at all. And my friend is sharing some really conspiracy theory, nutty stuff, you know, and I have to, yeah. I have to check. I, I still, I think probably about twice a year, I share a story that ends up getting, Corrected and usually those stories make the government look bad. So, in theory, you could do the same thing with me be like, Yeah, Hody shares 98% factual stuff, and then 2% of the time he shares something that makes the government look bad, but they didn't actually do it. That doesn't make the 98% of the stuff go away. And I am pretty good about when I realize it's not true, you know, of saying like, Hey, this ended up not being true, you know. So, for example, um, the Waco guy was not actually at the scene like there's that picture going around and everybody thought it was him. I forget his name, but the way he was going to be like the, the ATF leader and everybody's like, wasn't he the Waco guy who like, wasn't he the Waco guy who was like Mm -hmm. standing on the rubble of weight, like pose for a picture. That Mm -hmm. picture was not him. He was not there at the time. Did that make all my other issues with the ATF in general, first of all, and that guy go away? No, that guy actually said some stuff that was actually not true that, that the Waco compound had like shot down helicopters and um, that he has been uh, unbelievably anti-gun over the course of his uh, social media life. Those problems don't go away. But I do have to understand that it was my bias that when I saw that picture on top of everything else, I posted it. And I was like, oh my gosh, look at him posing with it. Turned out not to be true. I had to issue public retraction. And then, you know, does that make all the rest go away though? Not really. And I, and I think to tie this back to critical race theory, we need to we need to be able to grasp these facts and say, I'm going to take this. I mean, as a libertarian, you just have to do this. You have to get get to treat everything you read like a buffet and say, I'm going to take that. I'm going to take that. I'm going to leave that out. And I think in the case of critical race theory, I don't know any one person or one syllabus or one teacher that is going to teach this in a way that you like. I mean, it's just there, we we are too many different people. I imagine if we started talking about how to bridge racial divides on the show, we, we'd experience a little bit of contention at the very least, because I just think there's there's different ideas with how we do fix the damages that were done. You know, I think there's some libertarians that are all in about full fledged racially divided reparations. There are some libertarians that are like, we'll just remove what was done and let the rest take care of itself. And You know, let's stop, let's stop even talking about disparate outcomes with the laws that we pass. And so those are, those are very different things. We can all recognize that it happened and it was a problem, but the the solution might not be what you want. So what you're going to do is we're going to have to all get together at the same buffet, take the facts, and then people are going to serve us up different solutions. And at that point, we're going to have to decide what we want and what we don't want without banning the facts and this is my issue especially with the bans on critical race theory is you cannot ban something especially when i've talked about how broadly it can be defined i don't know how you would teach certain subjects in school without talking about critical race theory it's just not
2: exactly one of the biggest problems is the the fear that educators now have talking about our american american history when so much of it is surrounding you know you can't, how do you talk about Jim Crow laws when CRT is banned? Or, you know, their version of what they think CRT is supposed to be in high school, right? Right. How yeah. Do teach our students about Jim Crow laws and the civil rights era. And how does that work? You can't.
0: Yeah. Um, anything else you want to say about the subject before we move on to the piece of my mind? I, I think I got it all out of my system. I feel good about it.
1: It, the oh only kidding. thing I we're gonna we're gonna take a swatted privilege I think for just five minutes. Oh okay, um, yeah, sit it. Not, I my, not I me. I've been doing this all ever
2: since it came out of my mouth. Yeah,
1: I ever since <laughs> I was just like, oh, here we go.
0: I mean, I've said my piece on privilege, so so yeah. I tell you what, Brian and Lou, you have a good back and forth on
1: this. The big the big thing I have with privilege goes back, and I'm because I'm old, I'm gonna quote this is an old Monty Python skit called Dennis Moore, and Dennis Moore was a guy who was trying to make the world right he's basically like robin hood uh and the first thing he was doing was stealing lupins and there's like you know they're like okay here's all the lupins and then people are going we don't want this we want gold silver blah 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 so he said okay and then he went and stole all the gold and silver from the rich um he stole from uh, the poor and gives to the rich stupid bitch um <laughs> that's how the song goes but in the end he sits and goes My, this, you know, this balancing of capital is a bit tricky now, isn't it? Because you don't know what the outcomes are going to be based on the inputs. Everyone is it's everyone is their own algorithm. You can't sit there and you can kind of get an idea that says, all right, I have I have 500 people here, 500 high school seniors. And if I give them this. 70% 70% are going to go this way and maybe do something good with it. 30% are going to go party and do whatever with it. But you also are, but that's when you're looking at very large outcomes. If I put 500 kids into college, you know, 70% of them are going to complete the first year. True, but you don't know if, you know, how many more complete the fourth year, or fifth year, do something with their lives, blah, 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 because we don't know where life is going to go. And that's where I really start. Getting with privilege. I understand that we all kind of want to have the same starting point. And, and I, I'm good with that. I'm really good with that. I think it's a little tough to do socially because, you know, like parents, you know, divorce parents, things like You can go back to all the numbers that show that, hey, parents that stay married and raise the kids together have, oh, geez, Dennis, we'll talk later. Um,
2: I got you, Dennis. Don't worry.
1: <laughs> no, go ahead. <laughs> okay. But the reality is, is that we all have some form of privilege, whether it's parents, whether it's money, whether it's your race, whether it's being born in this country and not being born in sub-Saharan Africa and in the middle of a civil war. So the reality is that here in the United States, you can kind of balance it out and say, all right, we want to make sure everyone gets an education. That's why government schools exist. Um, They do a terrible job. And if we give school choice, that fixes a lot of problems. Um, But that being said, that's where we start getting into, all right, are we looking for outcomes? Or are we looking for, you know, start points? And if we start start points, I think a lot of people get on board and say, yeah, everyone should get an education. Everyone should, should have that. But we start looking at end points. That's when it starts getting really fuzzy. Right. So and by then, all means, please go so ahead.
2: When we talk about, at least people who come from my perspective, we talk about privilege, right? Mm-hmm. It's it's not on an individual level. Okay. This goes back to you know, this is something that ties into CRT, is that it's a systemic thing. Okay. I just because statistically speaking am a white person, um, more likely to come from parents who are still together. Why? Because drug mm. why because did it, right. So you can track back a lot of those things through CRT, which I find really interesting like that entire chain of oh, how yeah.
1: Yeah. Nixon's drug individual. law did a lot of that, but that's a different story. Right. I'm no, sorry. But
2: it's true. It's true. Um, and many laws throughout. And but the privilege is not intended to be on an individual basis because you can be white and be born poor to addicted single mom and, you know,
1: put into foster patient,
2: care, put into foster care, all of these things like on an individual level. That doesn't, privilege is just the statistical chance that you would have a better opportunity or a better start because you're white. Now, that doesn't mean that you do get that better start. It just means that statistically you're more likely to if you're white. That's it. That's it.
1: Okay. But but the question is this, doesn't that do two things? number one statistically which we all know how statistics are you can write them whichever way you want in a lot of cases not in your case Lou I'm not saying you're making this up I'm just saying number one doesn't that statistic that's say let's say 70% of you know parent white kids who have two parents go to go go to college have generally happy life? And I believe that number is very similar for black families as well. I believe the whole thing is actually having two parents and staying married and all throughout the whole thing right. is the bigger denominator. But rewind, go fact from there. Doesn't that really kind of tell those 30% of kids that didn't get that, that didn't get that love, that that was kind of their fault then? Well, you had privilege. Cause I've heard people say that they, you know, all white people have privilege and it's like, Oh yeah, I can see some of that, but, but tell that to the kids that were adopted out of foster care. Like you said, that were in right. abusive parents, like you're, you're, you're telling me that they're more privileged than the, you know, Asian or indigenous or black family where there were two loving parents that raised the kids. Okay. Cause I, I could tell you those, those kids probably that, that lived their entire lives in foster care. <laughs>
2: That's on an individual level. We talk- but, but,
1: that's, but that's a statistic still. that That's the thing is that the idea is that if you're going to do 70%, you're going to do a big, wide statistic. Big, wide statistics, honestly to me, suck. <laughs> they, they give you a direction, but they don't tell you the problem because you may not be asking the right question. And that's my problem with the whole, you know, well, you're privileged because of your skin color, your parents, things like that. There are people that, if you're told you're going to be behind because of X, Y, and Z, a lot of people take that as an excuse.
2: Well, that's that, 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 tell them.
1: Yeah, I know, but it, and the reality is is that we need to start telling people that your history is not you. It can be part of your story, but it is right. not your story. And, and we're moving into a homogenized cultural phenomenon here in the U.S., thankfully. Uh, we're we're starting to – I think there's still a lot of work to do, but we're starting to get to a more culturalized. But, you know, when you see people sit here and attack, oh, well, we need to attack the, the patriarchy. Okay, I get that. We need to attack the capitalist. That's generally done more freedom than anything else, but okay. Um, we need to attack this and that and all these other pieces where it's like, uh, we're ableist and things like that and and motive-driven, things like that. It's like, yeah, those are things that work. I can understand asking questions about them, but if we're going to, to attack them and say that that's the problem and say that and wrap it in, a, this is a cultural belief that, you know, that hard work works better for you. Mm. Yeah, yeah, Uh Dennis, I Dennis just put up a post that says, we're not improving, we are regressing. Um, I entirely disagree with that, you with you on that, Dennis. And you and I can take that up on any sort of podcast at any point. If you want to look at where we were when you and I were growing up in the 1970s and 80s and tell me life was better back then than it is now, I'm gonna ask whatever drugs you're taking because honestly, <laughs> things are a lot better for this country than they were back in the 70s and 80s, especially for women, minorities, kids in general, schools, everything else.
0: Lou, I want you to finish this off before we head into the last segment here, the peace of my mind segment. So go ahead and uh, give, give us your response and then we'll we'll make our transition there.
2: No, I, this is one of those things where you know I'm taking into account um, the fact every individual has their own personal experience, um, but that doesn't make systems and institutions go away. So, yeah, when and where I have the ability to use whatever privilege I may have, I'll use it for as good as I can. Use it for the right things, exactly.
0: It's a good point. I mean, when you talk about it, you know, (laughs) yeah, you got something (laughs) like, I mean, it's kind of how democracy works, right? The majority rules all. So, if you get a, Mm.
1: you know, when we talk
0: about 50, well, if we get about 51%, the majority, you know, that are that are you know, feeling great, then that's kind of how society gets constructed around, right? So I see what you're saying, Lou. It's a complicated subject. And I think it is, I I, I guess I'll c- conclude the section by saying I feel it is worth discussing. I know there was some people saying it's not worth even debating. And of course, those people tend to ca- come from kind of far left and far right places, right. you know, that, that it's not, it's not They're worth are the cut discussion. and wrap, people. It's cut and things right I got
2: it back. right I to try one more time about written house i was gonna lose it
0: right oh my goodness yeah like <laughs> I, I mean the reason that we debate these things and i think it's sad that we kind of get to a place that where it gets less and less muddy right. you know what i mean um that that and i'm sorry tony that i wasn't that my main show doesn't have any minorities for you buddy um but i do feel that our opinions are informed and we care about the subject and i don't feel that it is tone deaf i feel that the subject is allowed to be discussed among whoever you have um and i feel like if, if i feel like when you shut down conversations because a person of a certain color isn't in the room that's kind of how you get people off of your side you know, because we need to be able, especially when you look at, I mean, two of these three people here on the panel are for CRT. I, I don't I know what to tell you. So. Hang on here. Don't say I'm
1: against it, please. <laughs> oh, sure. I, I'm I, sorry. Yeah. So maybe three, here. Out three out of three. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, yeah, I, I am for, and as I said, getting back to it. Stop calling it CRT. Stop calling because that's what everyone's complaining about. Fine. Call it racial honesty and education. Call it that. Mm-hmm. I think that honestly covers it. So That's in concept, a, we yeah. we
0: understand. I mean, so what you're looking yeah. at is, I mean, we've got a person who's 67 years old, who was the first minority immigrant into into a public school, right? Like, yeah. this is a we are not far far removed. I think we love to think of racism as this very distant thing. America is a very young country, and then we are not the <laughs> right. I mean, and, and no, I, again. Some people in, in their, in our lifetime, we had the, the, I mean, what was it? Department of Agriculture or whatever, like divvy up, like give out some more land based Mm -hmm. on race. Like, and so this is one of like actually blatantly based on race. This isn't even like a CRT, like Mm -hmm. made it kind of favor white people. This was like straight up. Yeah. And so we, we aren't far from this. And that's why it's important for us to have these conversations. Are we far enough from it? Have we gotten there yet? Look, here's the thing, and I, I guess I would challenge both my left and right friends. First of all, for my left friends, don't don't discount the experience of a right person who's had a poor learning experience about this in school. Um, I felt bad about being white. We still teach a lot of guilt. It it's hard, and I'm not. But the, the, then again, to challenge the right on this one, shouldn't the challenge then be to refine and learn to teach this better? Maybe as Brian said, said, wrap it up some other way to label it if you just think it's too far gone or something that that Offer. it's still worth talking about how we get people to be to have that equal opportunity. And this is something that, yeah, I mean, Peter, Peter says, think about all the
1: progress even for yeah. the gay community. I, I, yep. I just, I facepalm that one. It's <laughs> we are. I never thought, and I keep saying, I think I've said this, before, I never thought gay marriage would be legalized. I never mm-hmm. thought, you know, interracial marriage was My God, back in the 70s and 80s, that was, you know, it was showing up on TV occasionally, but we've made so much progress in in my lifetime, so much. And yes, there's more to be done, but to say we haven't done any, is just a giant FU to all the people that fought for it beforehand. So, right. And yes, oh, yeah, I'm a dumb just, white guy, but obvious, you know, hey.
2: you have a long way to go.
1: Yeah, I think it. And so what I want to say is like,
0: just understand what your bias is. Maybe maybe loosen up a little on your whatever your definition is of it and think about it, just what the concept is talking about. And it's OK to still have opinions. You know, maybe you think certain laws with disparate outcomes don't aren't actually racist and it's important to keep them or something, but at least understand where people are coming from, why we talk about it, and the, the future that we're going for. Because I think ultimately equal opportunity is a great thing. And I don't think anybody, I mean, society as a whole, one of the things that I hate on this subject is the idea that that white people benefit when certain people are shackled, because that is a very zero-sum way to think about it. My life is richer when the market has more people that are cut loose to do what they do best me as a white person, I feel I've suffered a great deal when I do not learn about, and, and it wasn't until okay. much later in my life that I learned about black literature, right? My life is poorer for that being suppressed. This is not something that was taken away from, it was taken away from black people. This is not something that was given to white people. This is not something that helped me out and made my life better. By ignoring all of this stuff. My life is richer because of this literature. You know, when we talk about a healthy thriving market, the point is, is that it makes all the participants have a better option. When you take away participants in this market, whether it's ideas or, I mean, actual markets and economics and these businesses, when these businesses don't thrive because people are discriminatory towards them, that punishes all the participants in that market. You know, so yeah, I mean uh oh boy, that's going to be a ban. Oh no, yeah, yeah, nuke that. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Dude. All right, yeah, we ain't sorry, doing bud. the
1: race. We ain't doing the race thing, <laughs> the racist stuff. Uh all right, hey, hang everybody- on, hang on. can oh. I make a comment about it? Yeah, go ahead, Brian. It's hilarious how that comic comes in and the comment was basically black literature, graffiti, etc. I will tell you, some of the art that comes out of that graffiti is incredible. And frankly, if you are, you know, <laughs> offended by that message i mean offended by graffiti and stuff like that i highly suggest you take your head out of Lou, here the house. tattoo artist needs oh my to god. say something okay. yeah so like, <laughs> yeah
2: as a tattoo artist our industry and in art and the technology that we use goes back to like the chicano movement in la and the tattoos coming out of prison oh my god like the art history behind that is and the culture is so rich. And if you've ever seen the black and gray back pieces on some of these men that are these incredible portraits of women done with a single needle, like the artistry and the skill and the just mastery of this is insane. And it changed the industry in so many innovative ways. It drives me nuts when people discount the art of cultures that aren't theirs. Oh, sorry. That Terrible. is such a passion project for me. Yeah. I Yeah.
1: <laughs> and Lou, I, I applaud it. I'm just going to give you a canvas as opposed to my body to do it, okay? Thank
2: That's you. okay. I get it. I get it. Tattoos aren't for everybody. I respect that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> It's half
0: fear and half uh I, half half fear of commitment, I guess. It's all yeah, fear, I guess it's yeah. fear of pain and fear of commitment. I,
1: I, I have friends who are covered and it's fine, that's your choice. Mm. I just never thought that there's a name that I'm gonna forget that I need to put on my body. So.
0: <laughs> I, I love the art. I mean there's a good there's a good reason for a lot of it. Anyhow, totally different subject. I am very late in getting to the next segment. Everybody hang tight and we're gonna hop over to the peace of my mind in just a moment. Thank you and welcome back everybody from the break i appreciate you hanging tight these ads pay the bills around here and man my bills are getting excessive because my demands are getting huge after the show has taken off i i've, I've uh, <laughs> i've loved it all of a sudden i'm i'm getting you know i'm thinking about getting a new swivel chair for the show i'm thinking of upgrading my instant pot back there that's in the background of all these episodes that's a homemade sourdough loaf sitting there too i, just, I, know I need a good,
1: new good. ball
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> brian needs a new ball i mean Lou already got a new house during the course of this show so i guess wow <laughs> so i mean we're we're obvi- obviously we're making big bucks and that's important um <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah seriously thank you for tuning in the numbers are exquisite uh i had no idea written house was going to be as big as it was but it it's big and we go every week somehow i'm sure this is going to be a banger too just because it's got the highly sensitive critical race theory and people love to have hot topics on this one um for my peace of my mind um there's so much man there's a, there's a lot of little bits in the news now we are going to have a whole show about Arbery, Um, eventually. um because that one is that one is kind of taking a backseat at the media. And I think there's some very important revelations for it, I think. And actually, with the media kind of not covering it as much as Rittenhouse, I think also says a lot about the media, uh, both right. This isn't even a right wing, left wing media thing. Uh, I, I think people I, I aren't going to fight about it because of the way the court has gone, way the trial has gone. And I think some of those revelations are important. Sorry,
1: Brian. Yeah, I just have to say, as the righty guy that's on this, if you think I'm going to defend those three yokels for what they did, okay, we're just going to stop that right no. now. No, yeah, no. <laughs> and,
0: and and you know what? It, fair is fair. When you first see the video and you're not sure what went down, I understand mm-hmm. if you were on the fence on it, I wasn't ready to say anything for the first little bit. And then after this court case went down, you're like, oh, boy. there's There's not really a right-wing point standing point on this one and brian i appreciate you kind of recognizing that because i i don't think it's there's an argument and so people just kind of aren't talking about it which is sad because there's some very important stuff anyhow that's more of a teaser for perhaps ne- next week's episode um because of the revelations there but for this week Peace of my mind, um, I'm gonna talk about Taylor Swift's new album uh got released. I am a big Tay Tay fan. I'm sure that surprises at- fan? I'm sure that surprises absolutely no one at all. So I have been a fan of hers since like first CDs. Uh I I love the I've always felt that country music can be the best when they adhere to like a nice rhythm when you get some drums involved and i so like right off the bat i was like this is what i'm talking about right like give me some like maintain the beat don't give me this every country song feels it needs this like abstract like slam poetry weird part in between the choruses and i'm just like this sucks and taylor swift came in there added a little pop and rock to uh badly needed genre i've loved it since the beginning she's kind of um a lot of it and I actually didn't mind folklore so much. I thought Red was kind of the height of everything. Um, but I mean that this is a whole inside baseball on Taylor Swift. Uh I, I won't get everybody involved in that. Uh but I I am really happy. Uh she's reclaiming. Here's the thing: she had to re-release Red to be able to sing red songs. Uh, because the studio owns the album and the studio was now she got. A rights to do her own music, but then she had to go and produce the CD on her own. So you kind of like roll your eyes because you're like, what's the point of this? It's the same CD all over again. Well, we actually got a little bit more than that. And she actually released like the equivalent of another album's worth of songs also tacked onto Red for her to do. So we actually, it's actually like a two in one. Um, If you like Taylor Swift at all, this new Red thing, like you're going to get the original Red, which was a banger. And then you were all like, so all those songs. And then you were also going to get about, I guess I don't want to overhype it, but I think there's like 10 to 13 more songs that you get that are, that are newbies and they're fantastic. But the reason that I wanted to come about it is some of those songs really touch on some really personal things. There's one song about losing a child when they're four years old, um, uh, obviously, Taylor Swift, what she's famous for, songs about heartbreak, right? There's a lot of heartbreak in there. There's a lot of doing the heartbreak on there. Uh, there's a lot of uh, making bad decisions. There's a lot of ha- the person you're dating makes bad decisions. Um, and, and you get kind of a mixed bag of all that, which is, which is, uh, Signature of Taylor Swift, of course. That, that and most that country, is,
2: really. And most, right,
1: right. Yeah, I'm screwed Taylor up. They screwed it up. Taking it to that next level, you know. Before used yeah. to be, my wife left me and took the dog. Now Taylor Swift is he left me, so I ripped out his soul, fed it to the cat, <laughs> took his dog. <laughs> I
0: I love it. I'm all for it because I and think the thing fine. is when you've had these experiences happen to you, they touch you very personally, and I and. I think a lot of Taylor Swift songs, especially when I was going through my divorce hit home, you know, when you're the Levy, and you think you've got your whole world set up, and it just gets and, and, I mean, and, and for nothing more than it was time to move on. And you know what, my ex wife credit to her, it probably was. Um, not because I sucked just because we were very different people like, and, and with different values and going different places in life. And I wasn't willing to let go of a contract that I signed because that was just my mentality is you stick it out no matter what and however bad it hurts. Cause that's what marriage is. Darn it. And, uh, looking back on it, things worked out a lot better for me and I'm sure they worked out better for her. And so thank goodness she was resilient enough to not give in to my nagging, uh, <laughs> of having her stay. Um, but like when I, when you're going through it, it is a ringer. I, I've said this before, but I don't feel that it is an exaggeration to call yourself a survivor when you are getting divorced from. That is a, that is a tough experience to say this person knows more about me than anyone else in the world. And they're leaving me, uh, is not exactly something that you recover from nicely. And there's uh, just some of these songs, like I said, like losing a kid when they're, when they're young and, and, or, or being poor or being rich, but having these monstrous expectations crushing you. I mean, they're just, everybody's going through something is really what I get with a lot of the Taylor Swift songs that I heard on there. And it just really made me take a step back because I'd had, um, of course, you know, I think between Arbery and Rittenhouse and, uh, a lot of sensitive subjects, I've been having more Facebook fights and more social media, Twitter fights. Um, And I generally tend to, if they get really bad, I'll just block them. But I I generally tend to engage and understand that like the arguments and a lot of the arguments devolve into a fight. You know, I don't believe that every disagreement is a fight. Sometimes it is, you know, and I found myself having to block people that became toxic on this subject that I had agreed with like 95% of the time beforehand, but they just did not want to hear anything but Their side on Rittenhouse and being in the middle on Rittenhouse was unacceptable. They were unable to hear it. Um, I would say something and they wouldn't they wouldn't even be able to read what I said, because they would just be like, say, you love this man with all your heart. I can't stand you anymore. Or you just think he was guilty before the trial even started. And I'm like, well, I seem to seem to i typed in there something about self-defense you should probably give it a reread but people are just on a hair trigger about this kind of thing but i just think there's a time to step back when you're fighting from somebody because it's not really about the fight in this case it's about something going on behind the scenes because rational people don't act like this and it's it's and i understand it like i've been in an irrational place myself i didn't lash out with anger, because I think that wasn't my way, but it's not like my way, it's not like what I did was any more helpful. Helpful. <laughs> I internalized, I withdrew, I hermited myself, I, I hid all the problems that were going on. And anybody who would have said anything hurtful to me probably would have hurt twice as much, three times as much, four times as much, because of just the day you're going through. And I think that we need to kind of realize this, that when we're talking with people online, we are debating ideas, but we're debating ideas with people and people are going through stuff. And maybe you think like, oh, what? How bad can their life be? They're rich. They've got a hot spouse. They've got a they've got it all going. They're they're. White and I mean I'm a wasp for goodness sake right I understand having a lot of advantages in life here you know (laughs) being being a white Anglo-Saxon Protestant I get it you know like it it, there's a there's there's some nice things that happen because of that there's also some really terrible things that have happened that that I was in in a rough place for and anybody who would have said like ah you're fine you just need to get over it. Or, you know, talk to me poorly just because my opinion was one thing would have hurt all the much more and driven me away that much more from what was being said. Um, It's kind of a generic, like kind of ABCs, be nice to your friends argument, but I think it's one that we need to think about as adults. We're going through, people are going through breakups, miscarriages, difficulties getting pregnant depression anxiety i have a friend who's crippled by anxiety i ha- have i mean and you just realize that all these problems come up and we're just we're all going through this together and i want to strongly encourage and i'm going to say this out loud because i need to challenge myself to it as well but as soon as it becomes a fight instead of an argument walk away you don't need the last word it's not important It is not nearly as important as that person getting the healing that they need. If you want to salvage, if the friendship is important enough for you to salvage, maybe ask and make sure everything's going all right. Not snarkily because people do that in the middle of the fight and it comes off. Not nice. When you're saying, is everything okay? Because you have a certain opinion on something, but when it devolves into a fight really just just leave, just walk away. It's not worth it. It hasn't been worth it for me. I am in a great place in life. And I will say even these fights that I've had have not made me feel good, like made me feel worse. Um, I don't think any of them have kind of made me feel worse as a person, but it made me question myself and my messaging and the way, it, you know, you go back and you read something and you say, well, I know they didn't read this, but should I have made this more prominent? Maybe, you know, you get paranoid. And I'm not good paranoid. I, I mean, I I, I that's that I, I get all stringy. I get weird. I get uh, <laughs> wired. You know, I'm already weird and wired enough. I do not need to have the added, you know, franticness of stressing about the way I type something or, or, or anything like that. So just that's all I got to say is think about it. I mean, everybody, you know, in your life has probably lost a loved one. Everybody's probably lost a pet. Everybody's probably, you know, probably been through depression before. There's a monstrous amount of people who have considered taking their own life. And and it's not a majority, but certainly a bulk, uh, a a good chunk of people that have made plans to take their own life. If you knew all these things about them, would you still talk to them that way? Uh, I would hope not, you know, if the way that you've been talking about is negative. I get it. We're talking about ideas and these ideas are important. I of all people know that I wouldn't host a show talking that literally is just talking about ideas from different perspectives if I didn't find find that ideas were important. But ultimately you're talking about them with people. And I I get it. Like when you talk about immigration and you've been and you have someone that you know and love that has been hurt by the immigration policies in this country, it feels intolerable that somebody would stand up there and be an ass and defend what's going on at the border. And you know, it feels like it feels like dismissing your friend. Right. Or just missing, you know, if you know somebody who's sexually molested in the care of ice workers, you're not going to have a like a good things to say about them. So when somebody does, it's hard not to make that personal. I'm just saying, like, take a deep breath. If you're in a place to be the bigger person, do it. Take that deep breath. As soon as you see it get into a fight, just be like, you know what? Yeah, It's fine to just say I love you too much. And I, I don't know that this is going to be constructive so i I and and you're a person and i love you as a person and i feel like maybe we can have this conversation someday maybe it's you maybe it's me maybe i'm just not in the place right now that's fine but let's just not have it and skip it um there you go another long rambly thing for me but uh anything anything you guys want to want to talk about there
2: i We're like it, you about- know <laughs> <laughs> don't interrupt me <laughs>
1: I need to get Um, better at that, Lou. I'm sorry.
2: I'm totally kidding. We both started talking at the same time. Um, No, I just, it's something that actually, I think I heard it put best from you quite a while ago, you know, taking into consideration other people's experiences. And that is, you know, while I may not have always had the best words for it, that's something I've always tried to do. Um, Sometimes I feel like it's gotten me in trouble, even, you know, well, you're wishy-washy or you don't, you know, and I'm like, well, I'd rather take into consideration somebody's experience rather than holding a hard line on anything. Even if I completely disagree, I can still look at a situation and say, I understand why you feel that way. Yeah. Yeah. And sometimes that's what you have to do.
0: Yeah, for real. Brian, I know you have something to say about it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I yeah, you know, I I feel the same, Hody, especially about Norwegian death metal. So oh, I <laughs> sweet. There's actually No, I get whatever whatever music's
2: which is phenomenal.
1: Yeah. Whatever speaks to you, it doesn't matter if it's country or you know, whatever else, that that's beautiful. And let it keep speaking to you. Uh Taylor Swift to me was okay um (laughs) (laughs) it's okay i if it speaks to you i by all means uh lady gaga actually speaks a lot to me but i'm more astounded with her her talent and what she does especially when you see her before she was lady gaga the stuff that that came out of her was just definitely was yeah she, yeah. She's
0: written some songs that became famous before she was able to perform on her own. And I think yeah. that, that's that's pretty
1: astounding that she. Yeah, you see Stephanie Gervinati, just Google that, everybody, and you'll just see her play and you go, oh, it isn't just goofy hair, meat, meat suit type of no, there's <laughs> naked, talent there. Naked meditations. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
0: Uh, for whatever it's worth, as far as Norwegian death metal goes, uh, Nightwish is my most listened to playlist on, uh, on Pandora. So mm-hmm. there you go. Uh, yeah, so we, we can we can have some overlap, even if we don't. We, we won't listen. I won't subject you when we go on a road trip together. I'll keep my Taylor Swift Hody's CD. Cody's even going, a reluctantly
2: to music. What yes,
0: is- <laughs> even the middle ground when it comes to music. Uh, Lou, let's have a piece of your mind.
2: Okay, so what are the things that I have? been trying to do is identify either things in my life and my circle specifically that allow me to live, I wouldn't say off-grid per se, but um, allow me to find alternatives to government solutions, right? Um, And just prove to those that are like, wow, you can't do it without the government, like, And I have recently discovered, and at first it started out as like, I was watching this as an entertainment thing um, on YouTube, there's a channel for Adventures with Purpose. And these are like professional scuba divers who do like search and rescue stuff, but they started out and it's all volunteer, um, people donate or, or something. I don't know how they make their money, but they basically go out and volunteer and they started out doing you know cleanup in lakes and rivers and things like that um recovering vehicles that sort of stuff um on one of their trips they were recovering a vehicle and come to find out unfortunately there was a body in the vehicle well they ended up closing a cold case and they started getting phone calls from parents and family members of other missing people. Um, Cold cases that their local police department just didn't have the resources to devote to finding them. Um, And they've, over the course of, I don't even, it's been a year or two, they have recovered, I think, 12 they've basically solved like 12 cold cases or more. Wow. And it's really incredible. It's all volunteer work. You know, they pay they work with other organizations, people who have like sonar boats and stuff like that. And so they go out and they are doing things that like we think our government does for us, but they really don't. Um, and then you know, obviously in these cases there are limitations they have to work within so obviously when they find something they have to call law enforcement otherwise then they get in trouble for like whatever but in a lot of cases um you know if it's a small town and a lake or something they call law enforcement to come out because they found something um law enforcement actually ends up asking them to do the recovery because they have the equipment they have the resources um, and they don't have the bureaucracy and the red tape and this, that, and the other. They don't have a prosecutor saying, hey, it's been six months. Let's just let this one go um, because it's it's an election year, you know. And so through them, I've discovered there's actually an entire, like, kind of underground community of people who do this. Um, there are people who specialize in land searches, people who specialize in you know, water searches, things like this, to help bring closure to these families. And when you look at the numbers of missing people in this country, it is astounding and absolutely terrifying. And so many of them, like, become cold cases, because police departments don't have the time and the resources to dedicate to it. And there are now so many civilian groups out here picking up the slack and filling in that gap. And I think it's amazing. And it shows and it proves that we can be a society. There is the potential and the ability where we can be a society where these sort of, you know, government agencies don't even have to exist anymore because there are people out there who do this on a volunteer basis. And they would train more people and, you know, people donate to them. So they have the resources through people who just donate to them versus, you know, our local government taking our money and they can't like half their resources are tied up in bureaucracy and never bringing these people's family members home. So, yay. Awesome. Found a really cool anarchist solution to a really terrible thing that a lot of people think you know well how, we couldn't do it without the government couldn't do it we absolutely can and there are people out there doing it and i just think that is amazing
1: agreed that that's it, it's how every recovery operation is there are very few government groups um besides the 50,000 departments in federal departments have their own police departments SWAT teams you know um you know um Train, you know coffee baristas whatever um but on the state level there's usually nobody there might be a few people that are trained that can do it but they can't do like a full like search and rescue unless you know honestly they all come out if there's like a toddler or something then people are going right. to the but your 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 druggy friend who may have been fell into the river they they, they aren't gonna know oh, we looked you know, yeah. we grew up and down and didn't say anything. Have a nice day. But it, it gets back to like the um, the murder down in Florida uh, or the, the parent suicide where the, <laughs> the all the state and federal groups just wiped over and they didn't go where the parents told them because they thought the parents were lying. Just one of you take a moment, go over there, take a look. Oh, there's the body. Uh, or at least there's personal effects. So, right. Anyhow, that's yeah. It's great, but that doesn't mean that there aren't things that the government can do equal access well. I know that gets you know that that irks the anarchists, but I I agree with you, Lou. That private enterprise generally does a better job and is more incentivized to do something in a competitive environment than any government agency ever will.
2: And I think too, like, and one of the things there, you know, you see interactions between these groups with law enforcement, as they call them in and things like that. And it was interesting to watch the different types of interactions they would have. Um, there was one, you know, sheriff who seemed seemed real pissy that somebody basically stole his thunder on like a seven month old case they'd given up on. And then another officer, you know, came out for a different case. And they were like, thank you so much, because, you know, I tried to get boats and divers and i was told that we don't have the resources and that i couldn't they couldn't be allocated to my county because this county needed them and you know it was just paperwork and red tape and thank you for coming to do this so i it was really interesting to see the dynamic um with different law enforcement agencies and and officers
0: yeah it's um it's funny when and and again, I don't feel this is a an ideal solution either. But if you're going to deal with police, having them on a on a, a type of contract <laughs> um, is fa- has worked out fantastically. I we did some work with the main show about it, and so I won't rehash too much of it here. But when the people decide what crimes they want prosecuted, it's funny how the focus changes from people growing plants to people missing to people's rape kits to people's murders. I mean, it, it's one of those things that, and I, I, I it's sad. And I, I know like they say, well, we just don't have the resources to it. Well, no, you're not willing to dedicate the resources to it. I mean, you you have, you know, you have a squad of 80 people currently sitting there with a speed gun ticker in their hands. And, um, and yet you've, you're sitting on 30 different rape, rape cases that are unprocessed uh, rape kits that are unprocessed. You're sitting there on 80 different murders. I mean, you look into, I mean, what's it in Chicago? It's over half of the murders aren't even getting investigated.
2: Yeah, they're just I mean, like. That, that's.
0: Yeah, but bucks, one. right. It's where the bucks are. Brian's right. got it exactly right. And this You're is crazy. the
2: thing. Uh, Elon Musk and the, uh, the UN talking about ending world hunger for $6 million. And he was like, yeah. sure. Hey, tell me how yeah. I got the $6 million. If you tell
0: me how, I'll sell my you, stocks well, right he, now and we'll
1: he, do it. He, he did the one thing that they all cringed on we want some open source accounting showing us how you are going to spend the money and how it's going to fix it yeah and okay. and he said i'll do it in an instant yeah and they're all like oh well it's a far more difficult issue than you can just tell him no i'm a big fan of your good idea should be easily explainable i mean like not like grandma but um your good idea should pass you know a, a toddler's and a grandparent's common sense
2: you right. know what we're going to do we yeah complicated
0: yeah. and yeah lou i don't want to take away from your point though which is more so that there there's alternative solutions that we can be part of the process right now mm-hmm. i would encourage you to look look at your immediate surrounding area and you know what if you live in a big city obviously you're not going to feed all the homeless there right
1: <laughs> but you're, can you,
0: you're right but can you can you be part of that process or maybe take a look at like a different problem and say like, you know what? I think there's a, I think there's a solution to this. So um, real good example here. And again, costs nothing, not really government program, but we kind of have an underground railroad here of of kids that are running away from abusive situations. And all it takes is to register as a home and you just, and this isn't a government registration, by the way, you sign up with the the website and just be like, man, there are kids who are trying to, get away from an abusive situation and we want to, and of course they still want to meet with you, talk with you and make sure you're not gross. You know, like obviously if you're like, please have teens come to my house, you can, that's potentially a gross situation. (laughs) Right. But you know, to be a part of that is something that is completely voluntary and it's something that the state's not going to help with. Cause guess what? When parents call about their runaway teenager, that doesn't go the runaway teenagers way (laughs) that goes the other way. That goes, that goes the abuser's way. (laughs) And so like, and so what I'm saying here is like, there's these, and, and if, even if that's all you can do, there's so much that you can do when you say, I'm sorry, that's all I can do. That means the world to somebody being able to sleep indoors or like choosing between sleeping indoors or being abused or sleeping outdoors. I mean, there's no choice there. Everybody wants a safe place to sleep. Everybody wants, you know, I'm sorry that all I, you know, you might not be loaded. And maybe you don't have, like, you have all you have is a couch. You don't even have a full-fledged bed. I guarantee somebody who is running away from an abusive situation, that is going to mean the world to them, to get out of a a household where a fight's going down or alcohol runs rampant and and somebody's in a dangerous place, you know? Um, I I love watching (laughs) sports is going on. I love watching the classic sports stories. You'd be surprised how many is just... My dad or my mom was abusive. My dad or mom was and toughened me up, made me grow up immediately. And I had to choose and like some of these days had to choose between like pointing a gun at them and like saying, You're going to leave the house now or having the gun point at pointed at them and doing whatever the person said. You know, like, and so, I mean, this is a very specific example. And I don't want to take away from Lou's homicide one, because that's an awesome one, too. Maybe that's all you can do is say, you know what? I have a couple hours every month to look at Google Earth and do some research. And you want me to scan a certain area? I can help you out. Like whatever you can do, it's going to feel like too little because we think we put so much pressure on ourselves to take care of an entire life, right? To say, like, I am I going to fix a problem? Well, we look at what we do is we tend to look at things like an entire homeless situation or an entire runaway teen situation. Or entire, No, 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 no. You're never going to fix all this by yourself. But if you start and then you create a culture of it and then you have that impact of people in your family and they have an impact the people in their family, it spreads. I've told the story in this show about how we got. I mean, after the state destroyed the tents and belongings of the the homeless people here, which happened because of the pandemic, and many of which, when I say homeless people, these were people who were uh, trying to save on rent. And so they were like, I'm going to move out for a little bit, sleep in this tent, and then whatever. And when the state destroyed all that stuff, we got it back. And this was, did I do that by myself? <laughs> Absolutely not. Did the libertarians of Weber County even do it all by themselves? No, we did not but we got enough people that volunteered to help out that it took care of an entire problem. And it, it, it starts with willing being willing to be the one to help out a little bit. All you're ever going to be able to is give a little bit, but that's all we need. That's all this world needs to a little bit to solve unsolved murders, to start fixing, you know, the, the focus on rape kits, to start helping runaway teens, whatever it may be like, just give a little bit And I promise you, if it's in a place that of need, somebody is going to be appreciative of it. Yeah. Uh, Brian, why don't we close with a piece of your mind?
1: You know, it it was kind of tough this week. I was trying to figure out what I was going to talk about. And I I think I'm going to talk about the war machine um, that goes on. And I'm not just talking about the Pentagon, but the saber rattling that's going on currently in China. Um, the the kind of the how they got themselves into this, and eight groups and businesses I- in our society and and in a uh, number of countries that are going to profit off this. Um, there's been a report out that a major accounting firm has been consulting not only the DOD, the DOJ, a whole bunch of other agencies like that, but also consulting their peers over in China uh brings up a couple of conflict of interest concerns obviously and with the current saber rattling that's going on over taiwan which don't get me wrong has been done several times before this one seems a little more intense than last time um it's deeply concerning that the war machine may be trying to ramp up for something big uh china is in a really bad spot 65 percent of their energy is produced on coal they decided to shut off their largest coal uh importer which was Australia. And they had that also nasty little problem of going ahead and enacting additional safety regulations inside coal mines in China due to popular demand and co-workers dying. So this has put them in a bad spot in some areas. They have seven to nine days of reserves. Um, the first big winter storm just went through China and it's not going well at this point. So we may start seeing, we've been already warned that there's going to be problems with exports uh, coming from China. But of course, this is always usually a good excuse for uh, somebody to suddenly go, well, historically, this has always been part of it and they have resources we want and money. So we're just going to go and invade it. I'll let Kuwait. Um, Although you can get into the Kuwaitis drilling into the Iraqi fields. That's a different story. So that being said, the war machine seems to be ramping up. I hope I'm horribly wrong, and I hope that the problems in China do get resolved quickly. The people of China do not need to suffer uh, a cold, dark winter because of the poor decisions of their elected, quote unquote, but totally unassailable government, which will do nothing to help them except enrich themselves. So uh, we're looking at some interesting times coming up, not just from COVID, Uh, Not just from this, but I'm just hoping that we are going to eventually have the common sense to back off, defend Taiwan. I think defending Taiwan is paramount in U.S. interests in the area. I don't like that idea, but I also don't like the idea of China going in and wiping out a free country and uh, taking them out uh, to deflect from their own internal problems.
0: War is a. It's hard to think of anything more antithetical to libertarianism. Yeah. Uh it, it is the crux. I mean, it, it is the crux, even when they when they were having all those economic debates a while back of why shouldn't we centralize government? Why shouldn't we do this thing where the government gets to control it? And war was the selling point. War was the one. That was the one where the libertarians were saying because it incentivized governments to go to war. That's why you don't do this. And they're going to end up doing it. Um it, it, the China situation is heartbreaking because they've got such a grasp on so much of the global economy. Um, it, it's a, it's a, it's a heartbreaking thing. I think. I mean, we saw it happen in Hong Kong, and how many people that ordinarily are all about freedom suddenly are like, "Well, I can't speak about that." Really, I, I, what a messy situation! I don't know what's going on there. And now Taiwan, maybe next. Um, it's. it's bad. (laughs) I'm not sure if I can add anything other than what Brian said, as far as like commentary, because I think he did a great job breaking it down and what we're looking at in the future, but um, you're going to get another chance to stand with the people of Taiwan and you might as well be ready for it now. Um, And, and just kind of say, you know what? No, it's, and I understand we're talking about countries. So all you anarchists there, you know, we're going to be like, it's still a country. It's still state. Um, There's levels of evil and uh, China's level of evil is difficult to contend with. And a lot of the people that you're fighting, you would be surprised, especially in countries like Hong Kong and Taiwan, how open and passionate these people are about more and more liberty and open, open, they be to your message. Um, A lot of these countries that are the most, in fact, I would say the countries that libertarianism is doing best in today are the ones that have recently Gone, or at least in their history, gone through serious oppression and threatened, threatened uh, to lose their lives. It's uh, it, it's it's serious, uh, people. It, you gotta you gotta take a stand and be on the right side of it. People are gonna make a lot of excuses of why we should say nothing, of why we should do nothing, and that's exactly what politicians want. Because they want to keep be able, being able to manufacture these me- mechanisms of war, these machines of war, that will either not get used, so bad, or get used, which is worse. Um, Lou?
2: Yeah, everything you just said. <laughs> um, my, the only thing I have to add to that really is the U.S. will somehow involve itself and Biden will botch it gloriously.
1: So, I, 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 yeah. And if it does happen, the one, the only solace I can take is that I think 90% of the free world is going to stand up and say no. It's going to be like Iraq invading Kuwait. Um, the only problem is these guys have nukes. And, um, as I've said on previous podcasts with other people, I think the first, the next nuclear weapon, which I'm not a fan of using, no matter how much people think I like nuking preschools because they stole my apples, um, <laughs> is not going to be delivered, <laughs> is not going to be delivered by ICBM, but it's going to be delivered by container ship. So mm. and that's that's what really worries me overall. So I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping that China realizes that. The pretty much the free world is going to be standing up against them. Japan, South Korea, everybody else. If they want to start World War Three, this is a terrible way to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm hoping that the people of China who are getting smarter, getting around the great firewall Mm -hmm. are going to see what's happening and just basically not allow their leaders to carry this out.
0: Yeah, it's it's you know, it's funny how many uh, tyrants have. Test, tested the waters of invading another country and then been hit with the ramifications. And we're like, oh, just, I mean, how many times does like Putin or Russia or something just like, oh, send some tanks over the, oh, we're just stationing some troops here. And then people yeah. are like, no, 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 no. Back you go, back you go. It's like, oh, okay. I mean, it wasn't a big deal. Just kidding, just kidding, that, just kidding. That's just kidding. going
1: on, by the way, right now in, in Russia that they've repositioned in the Ukraine and also yeah. Belarus is threatening to shut off the gas pipeline feeding uh germany so yeah i mean there could be a lot of things that go south very quickly um hopefully the germans haven't turned off their nuclear plants i mean they've turned them off hopefully they haven't dismantled them (laughs) hopefully they can start them back up here pretty quick um but that's really the the big worry is that yeah we're in a tinderbox right now especially with covid so anyhow sweet dreams everybody um (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's gonna be great. Uh yeah, tune in next week. We'll see what we have. I know Larry Sharp still has to be uh he's still working on the reschedule. I don't know when that is, but he'll be on the show at some point. Uh we will talk about Ahmad Arbery. I'm hoping that we can get there before even the ruling. So maybe we'll 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 see how that goes. Maybe push that to next week. Um, and that's something else to look forward to. Um, uh, but yeah, we'll see. I mean, whatever's hot, you know, you can find it right here on Enemy of My Enemy. We got all the best, uh, the best people. Uh I'm I'm so stoked for all of us and the entire crew here at Enemy by Enemy because uh, I think the libertarian world is becoming aware that our ideas are, are, are fantastic and worth consideration. And the fact that we are able to have a discussion about it as opposed to an argument is fantastic. I love it. I love that we can have these disagreements and understand their, put them in their place, whether they're big or small, understand that these are, differences of opinion. And uh, I mean, you said, you know, Lou, that, you know, with experience, everybody's got a valid, valid right to their experience. And that is something that we should never discount. Uh, It's the one way you lose a debate by discounting somebody else's experience. There's a lot Mm -hmm. that you can do to get strikes in a debate, but the only way to lose it is to discount what somebody knows to be true because they have lived it. Uh, and, and, And I understand that there's a lot of that out there and whatever your solutions are, um that we got it and I, i'm just I, i'm just all i got is i'm rambling here but all i gotta say is this this show is definitely the up and up um and it's not because of the show it's because the people that we have here um that that do such a good job people can't hear but listen to this and say like hey do you want to come on my show and talk about it Do you want to come and talk about it over here and it's uh that that is that list is only growing and growing and seeing that there was a need for this that's the whole reason the show started was fan fan request was like, we want, I want somebody who talks about left and right and center libertarian positions, and I'm tired of just, like, otherizing what the left or the right libertarians actually are. Well, here we all are, and uh, here are our thoughts, and I appreciate you, listener, for being a part of making this grow. If you're listening to it, I- I'm telling you, every single number does not go down. I, I still remember back to the very beginning, um, when I mean, I mean i think our first show probably has eight downloads <laughs>
2: oh, that's cute uh,
0: yeah oh uh, right it's cute now looking back on it and i'm only at sh- this is show 29 by the way if you're listening critical race theory 29. Really? yeah so this is only show 29 it's been about uh like it's been a little over half a year now it's but yeah a little over half a year and uh it, it, it's just amazing that I, I do not take for granted because the way these numbers grew wasn't eight and then 562. It was eight and then 10 and then 13. <laughs> <then so on. laughs> you we
2: know? so live all of that. <laughs>
0: right. I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and honestly, we're hitting our stride right now. Um, I, uh, uh, socialization doesn't come naturally for me, as you can tell with all my, eh, eh, oh, oh, eh. You know, I am a very much. I'm very much a writer, and this is a, this is definitely out of my comfort zone, but I I love doing it. And I'm getting more used to it, and uh, I think we really are just the the best is yet to come. And I can I can just tell our latest episodes are getting better as the viewership improves. That's when we're getting our best episodes, which is great not saying don't listen to episode one, but you know, it's more important that you uh, hit the subscribe button and listen for next week's show, as opposed to going back and listening to all the other ones, uh, even though that boosts our numbers up, but yeah, it's um, it's getting better and better. Thank you both for being part of this and sacrificing part of your evening. I freed you to be with part of your family's listeners. I'm still looking for a, a, a sign off line and I just don't have it. So again, kisses. Mwah, love you all. Uh, We'll catch you on the episode next week. And I look forward to seeing you then.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Brian's hilarious. (laughs) And that's the end.